For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Raider Nation, and welcome to another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Dennis Ackerman, as always, joined by former Raider Raid Stanford route. It was an ugly 17-15 loss to the Washington football team. At home, stand those four losses, the Raiders are averaging about 14 points a game on Sunday. The offense racked up just over 300 yards. They averaged less than six yards a play through the first three quarters. Derek Carr threw for less than 300 yards against a 30th-ranked defense. I mean, he missed the two-point conversion to Brian Edwards. He missed Zay Jones in the corner of the end zone in the fourth quarter. I'm not saying it was all on Derek Carr. Stan, what are your takeaways from this latest loss? Pretty much just kind of like the same thing happened against the Giants, you know, uh, and maybe even the Bengals a little bit to a certain degree. But it's just exactly like what I said. You know, the Raiders will go. They'll get up on Thanksgiving to play the Dallas Cowboys, which is one of the best teams in the NFC. Got so much offensive firepower. You got a corner who's going to go to the Pro Bowl and uh, Trevin Diggs. And obviously, you know, having Micah Parsons on the defense side of the ball and they step up. They play well. And then all of a sudden on a on an obscure Sunday afternoon in early December against the Washington football team, they go and they lay an egg. So it just goes to show like it's just a matter of which team is going to show up. If the same team with the same fire, desire and all of that showed up like they did on Thanksgiving, I think they would have beat the Washington football team probably by 10 points. But uh, it just goes to show exactly how this team is just completely up and down like a tidal wave. And it's frustrating because everything is right there for them. It's right there. You know what I mean? So yes. uh, so it just goes to show that, yeah, I mean, you you, you got to come to play every week. And they don't do that. And that's why they're sitting at what is uh, six and six. Six and six, five games left. And obviously Kansas City Chiefs this Sunday. You know, see, and I don't want to put it all on the offense, even though it was, it was not good. But Oh, no, definitely not just on the offense. <laughs> the yeah, way, uh, I thought the t- defense played well for the most part, except the end. They just couldn't get the stops. When they needed to, I mean, Trayvon Merrick makes that pick stand. The game yeah. is likely over. It, it exactly. is. I know the Washington football team still had three timeouts left, but the fact is that they wouldn't have had much time. Oh, yeah. Got the no, ball that, back or even one first down ends the that game. That could have been so, a backbreaker. Yeah, absolutely. But, I, Stan, I thought it was interesting after the game that Rich Passaccia, the Raiders interim head coach, basically called out Derek Carr without mentioning his name, saying that he missed some throws that I was just talking about earlier. And then, to me, the tall tale sign was – Josh Jacobs, the Raiders starting running back after him saying, sometimes I feel like the offense coasts a little bit too much. And here's those two talking about this. In the red zone, obviously coming out of there with field goals. Got the ball at the 39-yard line from the big interception. Uh, had a chance to go down there and um, you know, score a touchdown, and we didn't. Come out of there with a field goal. Puts us in bad position that way. I know it gives us the lead, but certainly the clock became an issue at the end. Tried to use the timeout so we'd have time. Uh, coming back there towards the end, but we, we got to find a way to score one to 15 points, obviously. Um, thought we had a chance here at the end if, if Trayvon Merrick ends up, hangs on to that. Uh, the game 
that chance to be over. So with that, I'll answer any questions you may have. Rich, you mentioned the uh, red zone uh, issues today. Anything that you can put your finger uh, on that? I know it comes down to more economic and some numbers today, but how should we get to that point? Yeah, I think certainly I agree with that. In the red zone, I just think we, you know, we missed some throws down there today. We had Zay in the corner, I thought, and we had a chance for some. We had Foster, you know, on the seam uh, early in the game, and so we just we got to come up with some play somehow, uh, find a way to make a play with people on us, and find a way to make a, a throw even when we're under the rest. So it seemed like especially early in the game, you guys weren't able to push the ball downfield at all. Were they doing anything to take that away? What what led to? All the short passes early in the game. Well, I, you know, again, I thought early he was under a little bit of duress, you know, getting trying to get the ball down the field. I thought we had one that we might have missed um, early in the game on a, on a route for us where we had Deshaun down there, and, and um, looks like we just kind of missed it. We ended up checking the ball down. So um, certainly it was a problem in the first half. We couldn't really get ourselves in rhythm, didn't really have enough drives to do anything uh, with the ball, and then we did get it. We ended up in three-and-out situations. So it was a very good first half for us. We ended up doing a good job on the drive at the end, come out with some points to end the half, but uh, certainly wasn't what we expected going in. It's very frustrating. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's definitely very frustrating, really annoying, really um, just starting slow every week, I feel like, um, and, and taking too long to, to, to be who we are. Um, it, it's definitely frustrating, and I kind of voiced that a little bit today. I mean, I just come to the offensive line um, and and to the receivers and tell them we just we gotta we gotta be who we are or who we think we are, um, and we gotta have some juice and some energy and some 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 type of swag to us. Um, I feel like we come in just stiff and, and, and dull in games sometimes, um, and I don't feel like it should take somebody having a big play for everybody to take to that mindset of of, of wanting to be on that. So. That's kind of just where I, I was at with it. Um, Kirby used to tell me all the time, um, inspire the guys with how you play and the effort that you put on the field. And that's what I try to do. But some some games, it just be like, I don't know. <laughs> Josh, obviously, you seem like you, you know what you need to do uh, as a team, as you just said. But uh, you know, even when you have losses like this one, what do you think the, the key is to that actually translating over to the games? Uh Man, I would say practice, but honestly, we work, we work at practice. Um, I think it's just coming in confident in the game, and not trying to be um, out of your character. Really, just executing the plays, whatever it's called, um, and just being in the right spots, whether it's on offense, defense, or special teams. Just being in the right spot, and when the when the time comes to make a play, make the play. Um, I think it's very simple, really, honestly, um, and I think it's a mindset. I think. I think people just like how we kind of just coast a little too much. Um, and yeah, that's, that's definitely frustrating. All right, Stan, we just heard from Rich Bisacci and Josh Jacobs. What are your thoughts on what they had to say? I thought they were both spot on. And I think that as a coach, sometimes you have to call out your quarterback. Bill Belichick has done that with Tom Brady. Bruce Aarons has done that, done that with Tom Brady. So uh, I don't think that, you know, you can't call out a quarterback. I think you got to do it diplomatically, like he did, not mentioning any names. But if somebody's not playing well, if somebody's not playing up to snuff, if somebody's not playing to the best of their ability, you have to go ahead and make mention of that. Otherwise, you're going to lose the respect of everyone in the locker room and even within the media if you don't address the objective points and why you lost. And I think for Josh Jacobs, yeah, I agree. I think there's times where the team coasts. And when I look at this team and you look at how even back when Henry Ruggs was in the fold, I'm throwing a Henry Ruggs or I'm throwing some sort of a deep pass or something like that, at least one out of every eight, nine plays. Like I'm just throwing it up there. 
And now if he's double covered, then obviously I won't throw it. But like, I'm taking shots. I'm taking chances. And so I agree with him all to that standpoint as far as it doesn't appear like they're always balls to the wall. We're trying to score. We're trying to ram it down your throat. We're trying to throw it over your head, things like that. It seems like they just kind of, okay, you know what? On this series right here, we just want to go ahead, get about six or seven plays in, maybe go ahead and drown out a few, a few minutes off the clock in you know, the middle of the second quarter, not – it's four minute situation to end the game where we want to go ahead and run out the clock. So yeah, I, I definitely agree with him that sometimes it seems like there is not the objective to score on every single drive like you would like one would surmise or expect. Okay, first of all, it's very disturbing to hear that, especially from you, a former NFL player who played for eight years with the Raiders and cup of coffee with the Chiefs. But Stan, okay. Who does that fall back on then? Is it on the interim head coach, Rich Basaccia? Is it on the offensive coordinator, Greg Olson? Is it on the quarterback, Derek Carr? Or you know what? It's up to every one of the Raider players to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, it's up to me. I think that just basically the three-headed monster, head coach, obviously, offense coordinator, and the quarterback, probably you can go ahead and, and maybe slice that pie up in three different ways to go ahead and pass that blame because obviously the head coach, everything falls on him. You're the one who has to get your team motivated. You're the one who has to actually lead your team and get them ready to play, motivate them, and get them to follow you. That's number one. Number two is the offensive coordinator. You're the one calling the plays. So if you're out there calling a fullback plunge or something like a fullback dive, clearly that's not going to go for a touchdown. So you have to be calling plays in a more aggressive type of mindset. And then I think for, for Derek Carr, there's times where Derek Carr, you got to let that ball rip period. And there's times where it seems like he's probably more okay with taking the check down, things like that. You got to let that ball rip. You got Deshaun Jackson who can still get by people down the field. We saw what he did against the Dallas Cowboys. You even saw a few plays that he was making still with the Los Angeles Rams before that. Use that. You got Darren Waller. Obviously, he didn't play on Sunday, but you got Darren Waller, one of the best tight ends in the league. So there's time where you got to just simply trust that he's going to come down with it. And then you got Moreau. Like you got this time where you got to simply trust that, you know what, this may be incomplete, but it's not going to be picked off because I know he's going to, at the very least, be able to play DB and force the incompletion if, let's say, the DB has a good chance of picking the ball off or something like that. But you got to take that chance and take that risk of, okay, you know what, I'm trusting my guy to come down with this ball and make some of those tight quarterback throws. And that's something that Derek Carr does not do consistently and he'll do it in the big games against Lamar Jackson Monday Night Football he'll do it against Dak Prescott on Thanksgiving but those nondescript those obscure games against the Washington football team against the Cincinnati Bengals on just a basic Sunday afternoon when it's not big game national TV that's when the Raiders will stub their toe especially Derek Carr and then that's where everybody's like okay you know he's good but or you know I like him but so I think that's pretty much what keeps him out of that top 10, first tier, second tier, whatever you want to call it, quarterback ranking or that pantheon. And I think it's safe to say what you're describing is the Raiders play to the level of their competition. They do. They laid an egg yeah. against the Bears. You know, the Bengals are a good team. I'll give them that. But uh, the Giants on the road, yeah. uh, you know, the Washington football team, yeah, they're playing better, but they're a 500 team. I mean, those Absolutely. three games right there, you win those games, Dan, you're nine and three and you're in first place. You lose Absolutely. them like the Raiders did. You're six and six. You're in tenth place. Uh, I mean, look, it, it, unless they can somehow pull things together and rip off a five game winning streak, which I don't see happening, I think it's another lost season. I I, I do, and I, it I crushes I, me to say that. 
I certainly hope I certainly hope not. And I mean, you know, they got three more games against the divisional opponents. Right. Kansas City Chiefs, Denver yeah. Broncos, the Los Angeles Chargers. I think all those three are winnable games. Now, are they gonna win all three? That's a whole nother topic. Right. But I think they're winnable games. They've already beat the Broncos. They can beat the Chargers. And they've shown last year they can beat the Chiefs. Yeah, I get it. The Chiefs are now, you know, back to their winning ways, but the Chiefs are not, they still are not playing like they did in 2018 when Pat Mahomes won the MVP, 2019 when they went on their Super Bowl historic run. They're still not playing at that level, but they're still playing good. They're Kansas Chiefs, obviously. And then guess what? The Raiders got who else on the schedule remaining? The Colts. Colts. The Brown. Exactly. Browns. Yeah. Those are two teams who are right there in that, right. in that little vortex of, okay, we're still in the hunt. We're not exactly in the top seven, but we're in the hunt. So that right there, they win those games. That's a huge swing right there. Cause I believe right now the Raiders are, what is it? Ninth or 10th right now on the, uh, in the yeah. AFC. Exactly. And, and what's the, what's the amount of games back that they are from the team with the seventh spot? Well, that would be the Chargers, who are now uh, what seven and five. So, but they lose One the tiebreaker. So basically, the Raiders are two games behind them because right now the Raiders lose the tiebreaker. But you said, like you said, they have another meeting with the Chargers, and right now exactly. the Steelers are a half a game ahead of the Raiders. But the Raiders own the tiebreaker with exactly. the Steelers. So, you know, like it, yeah, Stan, I agree. I mean, the Raiders do control their own destiny, but we can't trust them to go on a five. Oh no, I, 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 like I said, I didn't say we can trust them. <laughs> oh, right. I'm just simply saying. I'm just simply saying mathematically and if right. you think about it big picture they're still in this now like i said losing four or five i mean you don't goddamn deserve to go to the playoffs no, you you losing last four losing four of your last five games but the point is is that that's the crazy thing about it because the new england patriots right now are showing everybody they're the class of the afc right now because of that other than them everybody else is yeah they're pretty good but tennessee Titans are pretty good but, but Baltimore Ravens, pretty good, but yep, everybody else in the AFC has a butt by their name. Agreed. And so that and so because of that, you even though you lost four of your last five, hey, dumbass, you still actually, <laughs> you, you got a shot here, I know. dumbass. I know, so, I, agree. I agree. So, you know, so, so that's why, like I said, it's crazy as it sounds, they still have, their, have a shot. And they got three games against divisional opponents. You got the Browns. They're beatable. Baker yes. Mayfield at quarterback. You got the uh, Indianapolis Colts, who right now they're doing well. Jonathan Taylor is running really good. They got a good defense. Carson Wentz seemed like he's finally coming back to Carson Wentz-ish type of form. But Carson Wentz still is somebody who can be very, very easily turnover prone. Absolutely. So, in Gokway, Crosby can go ahead and wreck the game and get him back to his turnover uh, laden ways that he was that ran him out of Philadelphia. So you still have so much of a chance. It's just a matter of, are you going to get your ass in gear and actually go ahead and seize the moment? Dan, one last question for you. The towards the waning seconds, uh, the Raiders trailing 17, 15, the long pass play to Zay Jones. It appeared that the defensive back did tug on his Jersey a little bit. Oh yeah. You know what, though, mm -hmm. man, to me, it should have never come down to that. I thought Agreed. it could have gone either way. I kind of thought, yeah, you could have thrown it or you could have kept it in your pocket. Week one against the Ravens at the end of the game, when the Raiders were trying to tie it in regulation, they threw the penalty flag then. 
This time they didn't, and yep. it did. I, I was okay with it, Stan. I really was. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like uh, to the letter of the law. Obviously, when they go, they show the replay. You see all the different angles. Yes, he tugged on Say Jones's jersey, obviously. But was it a tug that was egregious enough for the referee to see it from his vantage point, from his angle on the field, and throw the flag? No, it wasn't enough. But like I said, to the common fan who's like, okay, if ye put a finger on the guy's jersey, that's a pass interference. Yeah. If you want to go to the definition, the letter of the law, yeah, he passed interfered. But was it enough for that referee to see it and then call it? No, it wasn't. So yeah, as soon as I as soon as I saw the replay, I'm like, yeah. I was like, I was like, as a DB, he got a little, he got he was able to go and get that tug a little bit, but he was savvy enough to do it in such a way where that ref, who's about 15 yards away, didn't see it. All right, well, the Raiders are nine-and-a-half-point underdogs, and the over is 48 against the Kansas City Chiefs. Last year, the Raiders went into Arrowhead and stunned the Chiefs with an eight-point yeah. win. Uh-huh. Okay, if you think the silver and black could do it again, then head to Bet Online. It's back and better than ever, a new web interface for the rest of the NBA season, and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code BELIEVE50 to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, our guest this week is someone who's a wonderful friend, a former partner of mine in the broadcast booth as we spent many Friday nights together calling high school football here in Southern California. These days you can find him all over the television covering Big Ten football on the Big Ten tailgate and covering the NFL on CBS. The show is called That Other Pregame Show. Brock, welcome to the dark side. Welcome to the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> happy to be here my friend happy to be here it is incredible how fast time has gone all right this is for both of you and brock since you're a guest i'm going to start with you first as former defensive backs in the acc championship game on saturday pit quarterback kenny pickett started to slide then he pulled up and ended up scoring a touchdown as a defensive back brock what's your thoughts on that well, first off, I hope he enjoyed it because it's the only time it's going to work because that yeah. rule is getting implemented immediately. It's not fair. It, it is it, it is taking a rule that is meant to protect you and then flipping yeah. it on its head and using it to your advantage. And this is what's going to happen come bowl season. A lot of quarterbacks are going to try it, and a lot of DBs are going to be saying, I don't care if I get suspended. I'm, I'm gone after next year, yeah. and they're going to take uh-huh. their shot. So no quarterback better try that. It's not going to end well. Uh, Stan? <laughs> uh, yeah, I kind of feel the same way. It's kind of, you know, a way to cheat the system. Uh, I think if it happens with your quarterback on your team and it helps you win a big game, <laughs> then, you know, you love it. Yeah. But if you're a defender and you're going against that, no, that's, that's flat out BS. Just because, like, he's over here faking the slide, and if I go and I try to go and lay into him, I'm going to get the flag, I'm going to get suspended, you know, all that. And then he can go ahead and fake the slide and then sidestep me, make me look like a fool on national TV. So, yeah, trust me, uh, I, I I don't want no parts of that. But if he's my teammate, I'm loving for it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, let's talk about the Monday night game. The New England Patriots threw the ball three times. I mean, no. Stan, you coach high school football. Brock, you and I have covered so many games. The high school level, we might see three pass attempts. It just 
You never really see it in the NFL. So once again, it's former Ever. defensive players. What's worse, allowing a team to run the ball for 250 yards and just demoralize you or giving up 400 yards passing and five touchdowns? Stan, you go first. Oh, man, I think that really just boils down to – I think that's position-specific as far as your take on that. I know for me, uh, there's nothing worse than going against a team that's passing the ball. They love to run the run and shoot, things like that, and then you just can't do nothing. They throw five touchdowns, 400 yards. There's nothing that's more demoralized to me as a corner if we give up that much because, man, we couldn't stop shit. So, you know, <laughs> like – but I know for a linebacker, obviously it's more demoralizing for them giving up X amount of rushing yards and touchdowns, things like that. But for me personally, you have a team that throws the ball all over the field and we couldn't make no plays and they're over there just getting their stats up. There's no there's no worse kick in the face than that. I, I have to say, while thankfully I haven't been in either of those situations, I don't think, but yeah, I will same. say if if there were a lot of pass attempts, right? And a lot of passing yards. I think when you initially hear that, right? If somebody came up to you and said, hey, so-and-so threw for 500 yards against this team, your thought initially is, dang, that quarterback went off. And then mm -hmm. you think about, man, those DBs struggled, right? Whereas if a defense gave up so, so many rushing yards, your initial thought is, man, that defense got ran through. Who was running the ball? You know what I mean? So because that, that initial thought goes to the defense when running the ball, I have to take the passing yards, but as a defensive back, I don't even like how that tastes coming out. Standing out right now. <laughs> Not even close. Yeah. yeah. That is blasphemy. If Tom Brady was the quarterback for the New England Patriots, would they have thrown three passes Monday night? I mean, I don't think so. No That's why way. it's so – I mean, but think about it. You got the first-round quarterback, Matt, Matt, uh, Mac Jones. He's been playing pretty good thus far. Got, what, 70 completion percentage. So it's like – you even wonder like why they only had him th throw three uh three passes. Maybe if it was you know Hoyer or if it was you know whatever. But like it's just like dude, like I, I don't know that that right there just either shows that Mac Jones maybe was, maybe was banged up. Uh, maybe Bill Belichick didn't believe in his receivers for a game. But also it could just be how great Bill Belichick is when he noticed. Okay, you know what? There's like a little bit of a weakness in the run defense whenever you run to the right or you run off tackle or something like that against his Bills defense. So you know what? Let's just go ahead and just run the ball down their throat over and over and over and over again. So, I mean, I, I can't call it, but that's just Bill Belichick being Bill Belichick. I would I would say they would have only called in like McDaniels may have only called three passes, but Brady is checking out of at least 10 of those. And <laughs> yeah. He is going yeah. right here with it. He's going right here. <laughs> and he does that too. <laughs> Every time. Every time. He said, man, if y'all don't run a post right now. <laughs> yeah. And then just go back to the side and be a hey, coach, man. Hey, they showed me something different. You know, the safeties, um, they, they rotated down in the box. I, I had to take the shot. <laughs> I promise you. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. All right, let's move to Sunday's game and talk about a couple of teams and go in opposite directions. The Raiders, of course, have lost four of five. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs have won five in a row, but fellas, they're doing it much different than they have in the past. I mean, they're really relying on the defense right now. During this winning streak, I think they're giving up just over 11 points a game. So what, what's going on in KC these days? Well, i tell you what they've figured out is less is more. Uh, we're, we're focusing on the defensive side now, but 
from a defensive standpoint, less is more. They're 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 not asking too much out of their defensive backs. They're not pressuring as much, and they're letting their they're they're trusting their D line. Maybe is the the simplest way of putting it. Chris Jones got off last game, and yeah. finally he had the game where he looked like he was last year. That takes even more pressure off, right? If you look at the Chiefs for the first five, six weeks, every time you saw them, a DB was getting torched. And it was always because they brought pressure and someone was in man coverage. They're saying, you know what? We're only going to rush four because we don't have the DBs for this right now. And since they've made that adjustment, they've had a lot of success. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It seems like they definitely simplified things and not trying to make everything so exotic where we just got to confuse the quarterback where we're also confusing ourselves. You know, I think what also plays a part in it, look at the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Mari Cooper didn't play that game. CeeDee Lamb gets hurt right before halftime. You look at the game, uh, obviously, on Sunday night against the Denver Broncos, Teddy Bridgewater. He's not somebody that necessarily pushes the ball down the field. A few weeks before that, they're playing the Aaron Rodgers-less Green Bay Packers. But nonetheless, like I said, their defense has gotten better. It seems like they're playing more sound. I wouldn't by any stretch say that anybody's playing at a Pro Bowl level outside of Terran Matt. Matthew Honey Badger, but it definitely seems like they are coming together at the right time. I'm very interested to see, are they going to be able to sustain this throughout the remainder of the regular season and even in the postseason? I firmly believe that to really get that sustained success, you got to have guys who are playing at a Pro Bowl level. You got to have Pro Bowl level players as well in the back end. I'm talking about the back end specifically, because like I said, you got Frank Clark, Chris Jones up there. Uh, rushing the passer. Like I said, definitely they're playing very well right now. And I'm hoping that those DBs come back down to earth against these Raiders on Sunday. <laughs> well, that was to my next point, Stanford. I mean, when the Raiders win, Derek Carr throws for over 300 yards a game. That means he's taking yeah. deep shots down the field. He's being aggressive and they're not checking down like we saw all afternoon against the Washington football team. So Brock, can you make hit deep balls on that secondary? Oh, yeah. Without question, without question now, what they're going to have to, what Kansas City is going to do is they're saying, okay, we've simplified things. We are going to trust our four to get home and we are going to back off our defensive back so that they don't get beat deep. What Derek Carr is going to have to do is he's going to have to be accurate in the most difficult place to be accurate. That 15 to 25 yard range. We're talking digs. We're talking posts. We're talking play action, really anything over the middle, because that, that's how you attack a team that is just going to sit back in coverage is you have to fit him in the windows. Derek Carr is yep. going to have to be as accurate as he's, as he's been all year long. All right. Well, we'll see if he's got uh, his t- favorite target tied in Darren Waller back. Waller did not practice. We're taping this on Wednesday and it's a Wednesday. He was not on the practice field. All right, let's go to the other side of the ball. And I find it interesting that, you know, Patrick Mahomes is throwing for 25 touchdowns, but we're not seeing the Patrick Mahomes we had from the last couple of years. Oh, yeah. MVP, mm-hmm. and he took this uh, team to the Super Bowl. So what's been the difference with that Chiefs offense? Well, similar to the defensive thing, less is more, right? The magic of Patrick Mahomes is only magic when it works, right? The roll to your right, throw left, look to your left, throw right, switch the ball to your left hand and flip Side it. Side arm. Like, th- that only <laughs> is magical when it works. For the first six to seven weeks of this season, we saw how tough it is to watch when it doesn't work. I would argue that Pat Mahomes thought that the magic could be turned on and off. He's best when it happens naturally. He's not forcing anything anymore. Now, are there less Patrick Mahomes highlights right now? Sure. Is he who he was a year ago? 
No, but they're winning football games. You yeah. don't have to be this 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 magical guy. Just let let those moments come naturally and just go out there and win football games. Couldn't agree more. I think that uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers really created the blueprint, but I would say initially the blueprint was, I would say, whispered around the league when the Oakland Raiders, sorry, Las Vegas Raiders, played them last year, beat them in Arrowhead in week five, and basically made every made Pat Mahomes play everything from uh, from short. They played everything top down. They took away the deep ball. They took away the shot. Tampa Bay is the one that put it on blast on a larger scale in the Super Bowl, and you saw a lot of teams start to implement that in the early part of the season like they uh, Tennessee Titans. You saw the New York Giants almost beat them on Monday Night Football playing that same thing. You see Tariq Hill. If I tell you that Tariq Hill has nine catches, you're going to think, oh man, he probably had about 200 yards receiving. Well, right. against, the New York, against the New York Giants, he had like nine catches for like 98 yards, which is which just goes to show that New York was simply going to make them go the long, hard way. And for a lot of quarterbacks outside of number 12 in Tampa Bay, most quarterbacks are not methodical they're not patient enough to just throw the check down throw to the tight end underneath and just march down the field 12 play drive averaging about eight yards of play most most quarterbacks are not that they're not they're not that methodical they're not that patient tom brady perfectly fine with throwing on a 12 play drive 10 pass plays and eight of them go to the running back he's perfectly fine with that but most quarterbacks they want to show off their arm and when they show off their arm and they're playing that cover two scheme back there that's when you make him pay. So I think that's really what you've seen a lot this year is that they're taking away a lot of the deep ball. They're taking away a lot of the deep plays, the big plays for Kansas City's offense. That's why it's looking so pedestrian compared to last year or the year before. Okay, so let me follow up on that. The first time these two teams played, obviously Kansas City rolled the Raiders 41-14. It seemed like Kelsey and Hill were running free in the secondary all game long. They combined for 15 catches couple of touchdowns. If you were going to take one of those weapons away, if I'm Gus Bradley, am I taking away Kelsey, who's arguably the best tight end football, or Hill, who's arguably one of the greatest deep threats in our game right now? I'm taking away Kelsey. Stanford just hit on it. Teams are not letting them get the deep ball in, right? So whereas Patrick Mahomes, when he drops back, he's normally thinking deep to short in previous seasons, even earlier this year. That's not the way that he's thinking anymore. And also, Kelsey, look, a, 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 a tight end is a quarterback's best friend, right? Yep. And whenever I know that there is a defensive line who is capable of getting after me, I know where my tight end is at all times. Also, the fact that Ty Tyreek Hill, usually sure-handed, has had a lot of drops going so far. Because that magic isn't there right now between them two, I'm betting, okay, if you are going to beat me, you have to find that magic for the first time this season. Whereas Travis Kelsey, he can run five yards, turn around and catch it 10 times out of 10. Agreed. Yeah. If I got to choose one, I'm going to definitely go ahead and try double Kelsey because that's a security blanket. In my opinion, he's the straw that stirs the drink for this offense. Obviously, Tariq Hill with his big plays, he's the one that makes everything look all glitz and glamoury. But I think that Travis Kelsey is the straw that stirs the drink when it comes to how this offense moves in the pass game. All right. Well, the Raiders did get some good news. Trayvon Mullen has been out quite some time. He returned to practice on all Wednesday. Right. Let's see if he's uh, healthy, good to go on Sunday for the Raiders. They'll definitely need it in their secondary. Brock, I'm going to get you out of here on this one. Stan and I talked last week about our favorite Christmas gifts. Uh, your turn. What was your best Christmas gift as a kid? 
best Christmas gift, I would have to say our ping pong table. It, it came, mm, it came out of nice. nowhere. Me and my brother had never mentioned ping pong. Sure, we played it, had never mentioned it. And we walked to the garage. All of a sudden, a ping pong table is there, right? And then we start <laughs> playing. And then later, my dad gets on the table. And that's the day we found out my dad is a certified ping pong master and used it as a trick to get us into it just so he could whoop <laughs> us all day long. We had no idea he was that good. And we learned the hard way. So it was my favorite gift for about 45 minutes until he got on the table. <laughs> Interesting. Nice, nice. Yeah, what was yours again? Genesis or what was yours again? Yeah, I think it was. It was just basically I would go with my Sega Genesis or PlayStation. Oh yeah, I would just say that. Yeah, gotta have it. Gotta have it. Mama Super Toe uh, from the seventies. You know, you set (laughs) up the goalpost. Yeah, you told me. And the the guy came out and you banged his head and he kicked the field goal. And then Stan, you and I thought Sebastian Mm -hmm. Janikowski, man, one of the best kickers of all time. He was Super Toe. (laughs) Super Toe. (laughs) Hey, Brock, great stuff, man. Appreciate you taking the time to join us. Thank you, Dennis. Thank you, Stanford. I listen every week. Uh, it is awesome to actually be a, to, to be a part of it. And uh, <laughs> Appreciate go Raiders. You, are, we, Appreciate are we allowed it. to be biased here? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Come on now. Go Raiders. Go Raiders. Go Raiders. All right. Oh, Brock, go, are you picking a Raider win? Go are you going with a Raider win? Are you going with a Raider win? <laughs> no, but go Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> I feel him on it. I feel him on it. <laughs> All right. Good stuff, my man. Thanks again for joining us. Anytime. Appreciate you, big doll. You heard Brock's best Christmas present. And if you want to say goodbye to dull gifts, Lightbox Lab Growing Diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-growing diamonds you can find at a light price, $800 per carat. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but just are growing in a lab. Because of the process, they can create stones in blush pink and beautiful blue, as well as classic white. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off, priced so they don't have to. They really do make any outfit sparkle. Visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox diamonds, never a dull moment. All right, we're recording this podcast on Wednesday, and that is Media Day, and Derek Carr did meet with the media today, and he touched on a variety of topics. How do you describe um, urgency in, yeah. in, a, in a football game? I mean, when you look at the stats, the first quarters have been problematic for you guys. Yeah. It's just, it just is. Uh, but when people say come out more ur- urgent, more aggressive, what does that mean to you? And, and where's the line between that and, you know, what the defense is giving you and all that type of stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, perf- perfect example, coming out with urgency to me is if we come out and start fast like we did in Dallas and we execute, we were urgent, you know, <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying? If we come out and have a, a mental or a bust and it doesn't work out and we're off the field, oh, they weren't urgent today. There's no, you, you have to check yourself and make sure you're coming in with the right mindset. You know, Josh, I think, talked about it a little bit, coming in with a little type of swag to you, with a little kind of confidence to you. And uh, and him and I talk about that a lot, you know, and, and, and we believe, you know, there was times where, you know, in years past, we're like, dude, where is that at? You know, and we'd talk about it like, well, we got to bring it, you know. And then there's other times where, we, we see it now where more guys are having it. Well, we got to consistently do it together because not one guy is going to be able to go out. He can't rush for 100 if I don't get him in the right run. You know, he's not going to rush for any kind of yards if I go into bad looks all day and uh, we can't we don't block it. You know, same for me. I'm not going to throw it if certain things. Like, it's a team game. And so often 
because of social media and us standing up here and we see our faces as we make it individualized, man, this is a team thing. We have to come out together with a collective mindset that this is how we're going to come out. And it's one thing to have the mindset. It's another thing to go do it against a good team. And that's what we have this week. And you feel like um, the urgency is tied into the execution, whether the play worked or not. That's kind of what you're yes. sort of implying. Because do you sense that there's not urgency when you guys start games? Or I, I have felt like uh, there was only one time, and I may have said it after a game, where I didn't feel like the same energy was there. But for the most part, our guy, our coaches do a fantastic job of getting us ready to play. And um, that's their job is to motivate us, you know, give us a plan that we feel great about and love and all that kind of stuff and, and, and go into it and, and fire. Um, you know, how do you fight that? You know, you can't, I can't be out there. Like we talk about taking care of the football. You know, there was a, I, I talked about after the game, the play to Deshaun, right? He's running a deep cross. I can't see the nickel. I see the two high shell, but is he the hook player? Is he the flat player? I can't see him. Well, I'm going to throw it to Josh. I'm going to make sure I get this first down, and I'll tell Deshaun, yeah, my bad, man. I'll hit you when, next time, but I didn't want to risk that. It's not the time to risk it. End of the game, Zay Jones, I have to throw that ball. You, you know what I'm saying? I, we have to do that. So um, when you talk about, you know, you can use urgency in that or whatever, whatever you know, there's there's a time and a place, but, but also you have to be smart, you know, especially early in games, especially against the team that we're about to play. Uh, you can't be out there just doing stupid things because their offense will go down there and make it 7 nothing fast. All right, Stan, let's pick some AFC West games now, and let's begin with the Lions at the Broncos. Denver, eight-point favorite at home. I would have to probably go ahead and go with Denver. Um, hoping I'm hoping they can go ahead and stub their toe and lose. That way, if we lose, uh, we're not still, you know, tied in that and then that weird uh, area with them. So I'm hoping that uh, they can go ahead and lose. So probably thinking a little bit with my heart on this one. Yeah, I'm going to go with Denver. I don't see them being the Lions. I know the Lions coming off their first victory of this season, knocking off Minnesota Vikings on the final play of the game. I'd like to go with my heart, but I can't. I've got to listen to my head on this one, and I'm going to go the Denver Broncos at home. This should be an easy one. Giants at the Chargers. Once again, another big spread here. We've got 10 and a half for the Chargers at home. And what did I tell you last week about the Chargers? I knew the Bengals were going to lay an egg at home, coming off an emotional win against their rival, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Chargers went into their own backyard and knocked them off. Now they should have an easy one at home against the New York Giants. I mean, you would think, but like I said, the Giants, they're that sneaky team, man, where like they can all of a sudden go ahead and get up for a game just like they beat our uh, Las Vegas Raiders and just a few other times. Like I think uh, they almost beat the Kansas City Chiefs on Monday Night Football. So, yeah, you would think the Chargers are going to beat the Giants, but I would not be surprised if the Giants were to win the game or let's just say the Giants were able to go ahead and uh, cover the spread. All right, Stan. Finally, Raiders at the Chiefs. Raiders, nine-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, weather is not an issue. I've already checked that. I played weatherman. Temperature actually not bad this time of year in the upper 50s in Kansas City. Ooh, so, you can't beat that. In, no, you cannot. It's an early start December. for the Raiders. I know, 10 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Central. Uh, how you feeling? Oh, man. I would... Okay, Sunday afternoon. What's the, sp what, what's, the, what's the spread? Nine and a half. Oh, yeah, I think the Raiders are definitely going to cover the spread. I think uh, the Chiefs... If I'm betting man in Las Vegas, I probably would go ahead and put my money on the Chiefs right now. I hope that I lose my money. 
per se. But uh, I definitely think that the Raiders will cover the spread just because we know how those divisional games are. Obviously, we saw what happened a couple weeks ago on Sunday Night Football. I think the Raiders are going to come to play on this Sunday afternoon. Now, if they wind up pulling out the victory, that's a whole other topic. But I definitely think that this is a game that they're going to get up for. Obviously, we saw what happened a couple weeks ago. They We see what ha- what they did on uh, Thursday, Thanksgiving, against the Dallas Cowboys. So this game, I think they'll get up for. It's just the ones that they don't get up for is what really scares you. But this is going to be one of the games where they will be up. And I think that at the very least, they're going to cover the spread. All right. Well, I mentioned earlier the Raiders did win there last year, but for the most part, Arrowhead has been a house of horrors for Derek Carr and company. You know what, Stan? The last five weeks, I picked the Raiders four times, and of course, they lost all four. And then the one time I don't pick them, that was against the Cowboys, and they beat the Cowboys. I, I don't know. I don't. I can't see the Raiders getting out of this tailspin right now. I can't. And I see Kansas City unfortunately winning big. I see it, thirty-one ten, maybe even thirty-five fourteen. I I, I want to be wrong. Trust me. I one hundred percent want to be wrong. But just the way they're playing right now. Um, Josh Jacobs' comments bother me tremendously, saying that the Raiders' offense uh, will coast at times. And like, like I said, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. I hope I'm completely wrong, but we'll see what happens yeah. uh, early on Sunday morning. So uh, you were in Sacramento last week, my friend. Are you back in the booth this weekend? Yes, I'm back in the booth this weekend, and this time I won't even have to leave home, or should I say I won't have to get on a plane to go anywhere. I got Montana State versus Sam Houston State, uh, so it's just about 80 miles north of where I'm at. And uh, like I said, going to be another big game, FCS playoffs. I'm really starting to get into this thing. I've never actually done the FCS games before, so it's uh, definitely interesting. I like the crowd atmosphere, or should I say just like that hometown type of feel, the college town type of uh, crowd, so uh, definitely uh, can't wait this Saturday. Stan, is it the quarterfinals or the semifinals? It is. This is right now going to be the third round. So there's one more round after this one, and then okay. it'll be the national title game in Frisco. So this is the third round, or whatever you want to equate that to. Oh, Frisco, that's right up in. Uh, that should be right up the road from you as well, then. Yeah, that's up there in the Dallas area. So uh, love how I'm being a little bit closer to home right now. All right, my friend. Good show as always. Appreciate it, man. Same for you. All right, Raider Nation. That's going to do it for another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast presented by BetOnline.ag. For my partner, Stanford Rep, I'm Dennis Ackerman. Thanks so much for listening. And may all your punts find the coffin corner. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.